When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, I'll never forget when I shook hands with Coach Osborne, he put his arm around me and he said, you're not as bad as you think you are. So I think he knew how good his team was. <laughs> Your accomplishments, Coach, speak for themselves. I think you coached the greatest college football team that I've ever seen in my decades watching, the 95 team. Tom's run was probably the greatest run in college football history. His 25 years, uh, uh, was uh, his record is unbelievable. And uh, to, to accomplish what he did in the 90s. And as I said, his team in the 90s go out there and put half a hundred on anybody. <laughs> because of the fact that he was successful, and I could look at that and say, you know, you don't have to be a guy who curses. You don't have to be a guy who's in players' faces all the time. You can command respect by the type of person you are, uh, but still have the respect of your players and be successful. Uh, that was important. And that, that's what I tried to do, and I wanted to demonstrate that to other people that you could lead in a, a very calm, quiet, respectful way, but still lead well. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Boomer, and Redcast Rob. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, Dave Gassers. And I'm with Mac. Hey guys, uh, thanks for having me back. I'm super excited to be on the show today for obvious reasons. Why is that, Mac? I'm, I'm curious. Uh, <laughs> Just well, kidding. Rob said he had some news. I don't know. <laughs> Speaking of, I got Redcast Rob with me. Oh man, I, I can't tell you guys that this is probably one of the greatest honors in my life, personally. Um, it, uh, yeah, our guest today is uh, is... It's just, it's amazing that he could be with us today. So I can't wait. All right. Thanks, Rob. Well, I'll let Honky introduce our very special guest. Yeah, the day you've been waiting for, Redcasters, it's here. But first, as always, we have hailvarsity.com slash subscribe. Use promo code REDCAST. You can get $10 off your first year. And then also our good friends over there in Elwood, Laura and Shane, uh, Smack and Smooch custom shirts and specialty items. Get yourself a Redcast shirt and koozie, all that, 308-325-2542, and you can use the, the QR code there. But uh, today's guest uh, is a Hall of Fame coach. Uh, he spent 36 years at Nebraska on the sideline, the last 25 as a head coach, 255, 49, and 3. <laughs> never won less than nine games in a season, never lost more than three. Uh, welcome to the Redcast, Coach Osborne. Well, thank you. It's good to be with you guys. Yeah, I mean, you've been around a lot of dignitaries before, presidents, business leaders, and you've been interviewed by Keith Jackson. I'd go down the whole list. It's It's got to be bizarre for you to be on, like, what's a red cast? Like, <laughs> you're, do you have, like, a, a, bit, a booking agent that you're questioning right now? Well, I don't have a booking agent, and uh, I, I, I evidently I'm working pretty cheap, so that's fine. <laughs> but it's, uh, you guys are all obviously – Pretty hardcore Nebraska fans, and it's always always nice to be with with guys like you. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what we are. We are we're fans of the Huskers, or fans of the university. 
of the state of Nebraska. We're also fans of a program that you and Nancy put together in the early 90s, uh, teammates. And we just want to talk a little bit about that. I think it ties in obviously nicely with the with the program, the history of it with the football team in the early 90s. You had uh, some of the players go in and talk with elementary and middle school and high school kids in the Lincoln area and how it has kind of grown from there. If you could just take a couple moments and talk about what that program is. Mm-hmm. Well, and probably uh, harkens back to my early days in coaching because back in the uh, in the early 90s when we went out to recruit somebody, we very seldom ran across a young man that wasn't living under the same roof with both biological parents. And as time went on, that began to change. And um, so uh, more and more kids from uh, single parents, sometimes no parent families. And uh, then the drug culture hit us right between the eyes in the late 70s, early 80s. And, uh, and a lot of the messages that kids are inundated today, like social media, some of the music lyrics, some of the stuff you see on the internet um, would not have been allowed in the public domain 20, 30 years ago. So it's become uh, really difficult sometimes to navigate your way through adolescence and into a successful adulthood. And so um, it's a challenging time today. And it was back even in the early 90s. And so one day I got in front of our football team and I said, how many of you guys be willing to serve as a mentor to some Lincoln uh, middle school students, seventh, eighth grade boys? And 22 hands went up and uh, went to public school and they gave us 22 young guys. That these were not all Phi Beta Kappa candidates. And, uh, and we just told the player, we didn't know what we were doing. They said, uh, just see him once a week. You can bring him to practice if you want to. And... Uh, once a month, we get everybody together and play some basketball, have some pizza. And uh, and things eventually turned out to when they were seniors in high school, we were gratified because of the 22, 21 graduated on time. There was one guy who was riding dirt bikes around the country, and he graduated a year late. <laughs> but the thing that really surprised us was of the 22, 18 went on to college. We thought from that particular population that maybe three, four, five would go on. And uh, so we were encouraged and expanded the program first in Lincoln, mm-hmm. using adults as mentors, and then across the state. Now we're in uh, Iowa, Kansas, South Dakota, Wyoming, mentor about 10,000 kids. That's great. In about 185 uh, school districts. So mm-hmm. it's grown a lot. And uh, so I guess that's where I spend my time now. <laughs> Well, I remember it was in between one of Bill Snyder's two tenures at Kansas State. The three years where Prince was the coach. And I can remember we played K-State one year and you had a kind of a you know friendly bet with with Bill Snyder on who which state, you know, Kansas or Nebraska, who could have more volunteers gained. And it was it was impressive to me because I didn't realize at that time that it had expanded like that. So to see mm-hmm. something that started, you know, in south stadium in 1991 or 92 and to see it expand into all the states i think is just really a gratifying thing it's really cool well it's like a lot of things when you start out you know you have no idea what direction it's going to go and at that time we would have had no idea that it could be in five states and and go to ten thousand young people Mm mm-hmm well the, the other thing here and this is what kind of brings us together and this starts to move us into the football talk 
is the day by day movie. And uh, you can go to daybydaymovie.com and get information on releases and, mm-hmm. and, and all that. And there's a great trailer. We tweeted that out today, the trailer with it. Um, I know this week at, at the Rococo, uh, Thursday night, I believe, is the is the first event, and and Coach Osborne, you'll be there. There's former players that will be there, former coaches, and and uh, and such. Uh, I'm going to be going there on Friday night. I'm planning to watch it that night, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I guess maybe kind of obviously the the whole purpose of day by day is it's the mid '90s, it's the dynasty run, those last five years, the sixty and three, really an unprecedented uh, stretch there, four national championship games and three undefeated national championships. Um, I guess we'll just start off with, you know, tell us a little bit about those five years. What did those, those years mean? And, and, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about day by day. Well, I'll just start out a little bit, uh, discussing the day by day film. Um, it's really kind of the brainchild of Josh Davis, Tony Davis's son. Of course, Tony played here when I was coaching and Josh played for Frank Solich here. And, um, mm-hmm. Just wanted to do something, uh, uh, talking about those five or six years in the 90s that were were good years, obviously. And I would say that uh, the, the thing about the, the film that I think people may come away with is uh, more insight uh, behind the scenes. Everybody can see the game films and know what the score was and reminisce a little bit, but you really don't know what was going on inside the minds of the players, some of the emotions, some of the difficulties they had. And uh, so there are literally hundreds of interviews that were done with players. And, of course, there will be footage, game footage, and, and all those types of things. But I think it will be interwoven in such a way that it will tell a more complete story of that particular era. And... Uh, this is this is something I, I don't get anything out of. There is a small portion, maybe, that will go to teammates. But uh, this is entirely Josh and his crew that put it together. And, uh, and what they've done, instead of giving it to ESPN or somebody who always wants to put their own spin on it, mm-hmm. uh, they've done it uh, in what I would say a more pure form where they've try to just tell the story as balanced as they can and not try to sensationalize and not try to make, make it something that it wasn't. And um, sometimes that when you get into a commercial venture with a national network, uh, it, that's, that's the direction it goes. So um, they've done a good job. They've worked very hard. And this has been about a two, two and a half year project. So I think fans, if they're, if they're really, Nebraska football fans, and if they're interested in that particular period, then they'll be uh, be very uh, very informing to them, and I think they'll enjoy it. Coach, I could uh, ask a, a question about um, uh, how how college football has been been changing and, and evolving. Honky mentioned that you know you you were on the sidelines for thirty six years, and it's been twenty five now. Um, hard to believe that it's been that that long. Um, we were there in college for, for those 90s years, and we we enjoyed every minute of those. Um, it makes me think of you going down to Florida, for example, and recruiting someone like Tommy Frazier, who made a really big impact, obviously, on our program during that that era. Uh, you know, 
you know, with college football today, with things like name, image, and likeness, and like all oh, the challenges that these coaches are facing with uh, with the players and recruiting, uh, you know, how would you think you'd try to navigate some of those those waters today? Well, number one, I'm really glad I don't have to, have to do it. <laughs> uh, I think most people who um, have been in football uh, for for any length of time are kind of shaking their heads right now. And they're saying that, uh, you know, something has to be done. You have to have some meaningful guidelines because if you think about the, the NFL, uh, they, have, they have a salary cap. So you, you can't have um, A&M or Florida or USC or whoever spending uh, $25, 30000000 million on a recruiting class, giving them all kinds of NIL money where lots of other schools uh, either don't, choose to do that or can't do it, you're going to have built-in inequality. The competitive advantage is going to swing almost exclusively to money. And so, and then the other thing you have in the NFL, you have contracts. So you're pretty sure that 90% of your football team is going to be back. There'll be a few free agents. But right now in college athletics, everybody's a free agent. And they can go without uh, any type of penalty. They don't have to sit out a year. And uh, and they can uh, uh, start uh, fresh at a new place with uh, just a, a matter of a, a few weeks. And so the, the argument has always been, well, you know, we gotta, we got to pay the players because coaches move. And it's not fair for coaches to be able to move and then not be able to have players have the same opportunity. But there is something called buyout clauses in your Mm -hmm. contracts. Mm -hmm. So you don't have complete impunity. So if a school really wants to keep you and they put a 5 million buyout in your contract, either you pay that or somebody pays that before you can move. But in this case, we've got unrestricted free agency with Mm -hmm. no contract and no buyout. And, uh, and so you're going to see, I think, great swings in athletics because uh, if you happen to pick up the right nine or ten transfers from the portal, you can be really good in a hurry. And if you're not so good in the ones you pick up or if you lose a whole lot of key players, you could really see the bottom fall out very quickly. And so teams going from here to here, uh, are going to be fairly commonplace. And uh, probably a pretty good example of that was uh, Michigan State last yeah. year really yeah. picked up a lot of good transfers and kind of reshaped their whole their whole roster primarily through the transfer portal and apparently did a good job of selecting players. And uh, so it made a big difference in, in their season. And it can work the other way too. So it's a, it's really something that I think most people feel is unsustainable. It seems mm. to me, and I'm, I'm kind of an outsider looking in now, that the NCAA kind of kicked the can down the road. <laughs> yeah. And just uh, and said, well, we, we think players ought to be paid, but there aren't any rules. And, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and so it now, was uh, now they're trying to probably make not, not handled very well. Yeah, Coach, yeah. It, it was even Ohio State's uh, athletic director last week, Gene Smith, he even made reference to, 
kind of in passing, but just talking out loud saying, hey, he could envision a day where committees and back in 2014-15. And, you know, that's not handled by the NCAA. The NCAA runs March Madness. They run College World Series, but they already don't run the bowl games. And it's just it's it's interesting. I mean, the the, the change is so fast. It's fast. It, and for drastic. the Redcasters out there, if you're if you're if your minds are just blown by here, it's because things have happened so fast. Well, I, I would suspect there's a very good chance that the so-called uh, Power Five conferences will will separate and uh, form their own association mm-hmm. and make their own rules. And I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I think there's a good chance of it. Mm-hmm. And the NCAA, in order to be fair, uh, has a problem because you've got Division Three, and these are schools that don't have scholarships then you got division two and then you got the fcs and then fbs mm-hmm. and uh, and so you got so many different strata and if you're trying to pass rules and governance systems that cover all three for instance nebraska wesleyan is division three ncaa and so they're under the jurisprudence and the, the jurisdiction of the uh, NCAA, and then you got the University of Nebraska across town with probably a $110 million budget in athletics, and they're under the same umbrella. And mm-hmm. so it's, a, it's kind of a difficult fit. And I'm not saying that schools should pull out of the NCAA, but I'm, I'm just saying that it looks to me like there will be some movement in that direction. And uh, how it all shakes out, I don't know, but you. You have to have some substantive structure and rules governing recruiting. Otherwise, it's it's going to be really ugly, and I think it's going to turn fans off. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and if you if you lose the fans, you lose a lot. And uh, so anyway, we'll see what happens. Well, Tom, I had a question from you. I asked uh, I asked my brother for some help on some questions. Uh, he's always got some interesting takes on things. So uh, <laughs> so he phrased these. I just want to be clear on this. Pat phrase these. But he, he asked how that you were how you were able to keep defenses off balance while seemingly running the same four plays. I know there are more than four plays, but you, like what kind of what you what did you key on? How did you kind of navigate that? Mm-hmm. I'm obviously no, really, really, it was only one play. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we we did run the ball a lot, and and so it kind of gives the impression. That it was really simple, you know, mm-hmm. and we just we just kind of had a Neanderthal men- mentality and just went out and tried to beat people up. But what people don't realize is that we actually ran 14 different sets. Mm-hmm. We, we mm-hmm. were all the way from no backs and five receivers to full house backfield, two tight ends, and uh, and all the <laughs> all the uh, things in between. And um, we had very good offensive line coaches. We had two offensive line coaches. Most schools only have one. And uh, Will Tanneper, Dan Young, Cletus Fisher before them did a great job. And we had a tremendous amount of line calls. And uh, so we tried to maximize blocking angles. And a lot of that was once the play was called, you had plays within the plays with the linemen and, and, and their line calls. And the other thing that was different was that I met with the quarterbacks every day. 
And uh, we talked about if this play is called and this front appears, then you get out of this play and go to this play and on and on. And so it wasn't a case where you would suddenly see somebody give a signal from the sideline and everybody stops mm -hmm. and looks at the sideline and then they decide what the play is going to be. And then the defense in the meantime can change the defense. <laughs> so our quarterback totally controlled everything. So if they had 41 pitch called and they wanted to go 49, they said opposite and we went 49. If they had 41 pitch called and 41 and 49 weren't any good, then we said 41, 41, and we went to 34, 34, and we went 34 trap. And uh, <laughs> so there was no uh, there was no time lag. And uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as a result, the quarterbacks had to be really well trained. And I would say that probably 95% of the time, uh, they got us into the play that I would have mm -hmm. called from the sideline. Mm -hmm. And um, and the other thing that was a little bit different, we ran two offensive stations and two defensive stations. So as a result, we were able to get a lot of repetition. Mm -hmm. And so every year we might graduate three or four, sometimes five offensive linemen. And people say, well, you're not going to be very good in the offensive line. <laughs> right. What they didn't realize is that those guys that were second, second unit, uh, the first unit would get 95 snaps during practice, but the number two's got 95 snaps. And as a result, we were able to develop talent. And uh, if we had a couple injuries, we could always plug somebody in mm -hmm. was, that had, had adequate repetition. And so that really helped us. And um, the other thing was that the, um, the walk-ons really uh, set the culture. People don't realize that. I mean, we had a lot of walk-ons who end up really being great players, and some of them went to the NFL. But there, there was about 50% of our team was walk-ons. And most of those guys were, by definition, overachievers. These were guys who would, uh, weren't getting a lot, of, uh, a lot of financial benefits from the scholarship. And they would come here and lay it on the line. I remember being on an airplane one time with Doug Coleman, who was a highly recruited uh, player from New Jersey, good player, played a lot of years in the NFL. And Doug said, you know, he said, uh, the, the walk-on players impacted those of us who were heavily recruited from someplace else because we saw how hard they worked and how much they would sacrifice just to be on that field. And he said, uh, you know, when we saw that, um, it certainly made us realize the kind of price we needed to pay. Because mm -hmm. if we didn't, one of those walk-ons was going to take our place. Mm -hmm. And so he acknowledged the fact that um, that those walk-ons played a critical role on that football team. And, uh, and then I guess the, the last thing I'll mention to you, I don't want to make this a big monologue, but... Uh, <laughs> Talk all day. Yeah, we kind of had a confluence in the in the nineties. We we're talking about that that film. Um, we we had some coaches that stayed together a long time, so there's a lot of institutional knowledge. So mm -hmm. first play of the of, of the game, we went out there on offense, and somebody lined up entirely different than we'd seen them lined up in any other game. We say, well, you know, we saw that against UCLA three. Mm -hmm. Oh, we saw it against uh, 
Florida State uh, two years ago, and mm-hmm. we, we had a pretty good idea of how to how to attack things, and and so that that uh, sense of togetherness, loyalty, mm-hmm. co- coaching staff, and some really good good coaches. Uh, yeah, coach, I. I- I have to tell you from a, I coached youth football in Lincoln for about 18 years. And, mm-hmm. and so that's anything from fourth to eighth grade and, and uh, you know, champion youth football coach, of course, but, um, <laughs> but one what, of the things is I, what it is. Well, one of the things I, I did appreciate and you, you brought up the use of formations, I think was so phenomenal what you did. And I even have some of the video here from like the, the Florida game and we came out in five wide that, that game. And I can remember Terry Donahue on TV saying, you know, they're running Florida's offense. I'm like, no, they're not. They're running Nebraska's offense with five wide receivers. Now, here's a couple of passes you did, but once you get done with, with this play, we have the, the the Frazier run up the gut. This is just a thing of beauty. You spread them out with five. You basically, I mean, from a lineman perspective, that's almost like blocking for a fullback trap, except there's no fullback. You you, you don't change everything up, and it's it's the same play, but it's – run with a different out of a different set and it totally changes yeah. the way and they, they were beat before they even snapped it because of how you aligned them well that, that was a 34 quarterback trap which was, <laughs> was not a quarterback trap sure <laughs> but we usually would start the game with um about 12 or 14 game script mm-hmm. plays scripted and every one of those plays would be a different formation mm. And so we take note of how they lined up against every formation. And usually we would see something that they weren't lined up very soundly against because they, they didn't have time to practice all of it. And mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, you mentioned only three or four plays, but there, there was more <laughs> to it than that. And, For sure. and so once we found a chink, then we would go after it. Mm-hmm. And then the teams, when you get them adjusting on the sideline, and scramble, and then you really get them off balance, and mm-hmm. and then we, things would go pretty well from that point on. So the other so thing that was important was to be really physical, and uh, we tried to play the first uh, three quarters, so that by the fourth quarter we were the dominant team physically. Mm-hmm. And some of those plays that were two and three yards early in the game were six and seven and eight yard plays by the fourth quarter, and. Uh, so yeah, we emphasize that with our players. We practice that way, and mm-hmm. that, that made a difference too. So it we have a- perfect. We lost some games too, and <laughs> sometimes that I was labeled as an idiot. Uh, <laughs> well, I get labeled that all the time too, Coach. So, yeah. so uh, Rob, one more, one question from you, Rob, and then we'll and then I'll ask the last one. I know we we want to be respectful okay. of his time there. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, you had mentioned you had mentioned how you would practice both, uh, you know, first and second team over and over again. And recently, we had Damon Benning on here um, as a guest on our show, and I asked him what his favorite game. Uh, that wasn't a championship game was in his entire career there. And he had mentioned the Wyoming game and it's in interesting yeah. in the night in 94. Um, and it's interesting to me now that you said that the first and second team practice as much as it did, how much of an impact did that have in a game like that with the Wyoming game where you had to go with the second string quarterback and, you know, because of the mm-hmm. amount of injuries you had and everything. Well, as I said, we would have players, probably at least three deep, pretty well prepared because they were getting the same amount of repetition. And, and, uh, and that was critical. And, uh, and we, we got a lot of game preparation for those second unit guys too, because there were 
a lot of games that by the fourth quarter of a game, we were four or five touchdowns ahead and they were able to play. So um, it wasn't like the first team played 60 minutes every game because uh, we did have some games where we were pretty dominant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Coach, we want to be respectful of your time here. And so that we always try to end our discussions with our guests by bringing in some kind of shared connection that we have. And in this case, the one Redcaster who's actually not on the show right now, Boomer, his dad, Vaughn, ran the meatpacking plant in, in Schuyler for a couple of decades. They used to bring the meat wagon down for different uh, football events, and he mm-hmm. got to know people within the uh, the, the program, namely uh, Milt Tenerfer. And we have a photo here, and this is this is <laughs> Vaughn next to Milt on the left, and there's Boomer on the right and his brother Brad, and there's there's me on the top. And, and this is at a, a tailgate somewhere 2005 or six, and – Another time, uh, mm-hmm. Mac, you and I got to hang out with Milt at a local watering hole after an event when his yeah, dad brought the brought the meat down. And the reason I bring it up, it's not I, I'd love to hear about Milt, but just in general, you talked about the institutional knowledge of your staff. George, George Darlington was, was with you every single season, all 25. Milt got there in 74. 77 is McBride. 79 is Solich. And he's never gotten the, uh, the, the, the proper mm-hmm. send off, in my humble opinion. Dan Young, Ron Brown, Tony Samuel, you know, Turner Gill, all of them. What do they mean to you, them, their, their families, not just on a professional level, but on a personal level? What did those men mean to you that you spent so much time with? Well, you're, you're right. We spent a lot of time together because we started at seven in the morning and <laughs> sometimes we still be there at 10 o'clock at night. And so it's important that you get along and have good respect and, uh, we started every morning at seven with a uh, short uh, devotional period. We somebody read scripture, talk about it a little bit, and then have a prayer for our players or whatever. And I think that was a good way to start the day. And uh, but uh, yeah, I, miss, I miss those guys. A lot of them are gone now, mm-hmm. but they were they were good people, and they were really devoted to Nebraska and. Uh, and so many of them are former high school coaches. Mm-hmm. Some of the best coaches I had, like Mel, Dan Young, Frank Solich, and on and on and on, started out in, in high school. And I took them as grad assistants. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, they were some of the best guys that I had. And, mm-hmm. of course, some of them played here. But um, anyway, they're a good bunch of people. Yeah, mm-hmm. Coach Devaney said the same thing about uh... – Wanting high school coaches went after John Melton and yeah, he, he number, number of those guys too. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, coach, you, you finished a, a press conference one time quoting Jim Walden. You said uh, the last five minutes are the ones that get you in trouble, and we do not we do not want to get you in trouble. So we said one twenty eight, and it is one twenty eight. We thank you so much, seriously, coach. And and I, the offer is always open. If you ever happen to want us. Come back to the Redcast. We would be happier than anything to have you. So. If you want to write another book, good to talk to you guys. Yeah. I can thank see your heart's in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Coach. Okay. Uh, Thanks, bye, Coach. Guys. Take care. Have a yeah. great day. Yeah, bye. Bye. All right, guys. Honky, are you still alive? Well, I need to start. Are you breathing? Yeah, let me. <laughs> yeah, this thing. Keep talking. I'm just going <laughs> to the suit wow, guys, was impressive, Punk. That was done. Even sure. with the uh, zipper tie. Yep. Mac, so what do you think? Mac, what do you think? That was pretty cool. That was pretty great, actually. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I didn't think he could tell I was too nervous. <laughs> I, I, I did pretty good. You did great. Yeah, I, I enjoyed. I can't t- hear anything. I don't have my headphones on. I yet. enjoyed the text where Honky said he went and mowed the lawn this yeah. morning to work off some stress because uh, he was yeah. so excited. I was like, "That's great." <laughs> I actually worked yeah. this morning just to work off the stress. Like, I mean, it's an unusual day because I work from home. So you know, <laughs> who, who actually works when you work from right. home? Right? Well, Rob, I, I do want to make sure you get the credit for getting this all together. You did yeah, all man, the legwork. Um, had had enough guts to actually ask to to see if this could get pulled off and um, made all the connections. And um, uh, I know you you spoke to to Coach Osborne uh, last night to yeah, kind of finalize was, the plans. And that like was, like uh, a little experience. little anecdote there. It was just I mean just to tell you the kind of person that he is, which I know that you guys as like born and raised Nebraskans, you know, you obviously know and you hear, but like for me, it was. So I tried to call him and I got the voicemail and like everyone's saying it's Osborne. It's Osborne, not Osborne as the national media will say. Well, I get his voicemail and it just says the person you were trying to reach. And then it says Tom Osborne. Right. And then it goes on. It's not available. And so I was like, well, there's confirmation right there. So I leave a message about 20 minutes later, my phone rings and I'm at dinner, sitting at dinner with my family, like at the dinner table. And my wife's like, you got to take that. And I was like, I got to take it. (laughs) And I run downstairs. I answer the phone. He's like, good evening, Robert. It's Tom Osborne. I hope I'm not bothering you. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. It's really nice of him. Yeah. He's always like that. And we, yeah. Yeah. And and I was just like, that's the most sincere thing ever. So I asked him, do we call you coach? Do do I call you Dr. Tom? Like what, what? And he says, no, just call me Tom. He said, he said, I don't want anyone to feel like they're more special than me. And, I, I have to tell you after that, like we probably talked for another 15 minutes. Just I asked him about how his wife was doing because she because he had to bring her home from a doctor's appointment before he came to our interview today. Um, we just talked about just the a little bit about the movie coming upcoming and how he was going to go. And I asked him if he's excited for it. He said he was. It'll be interesting to hear what some of the stuff he hasn't seen is all about. So it was it was pretty cool. Um, I have to say that as a Northern California kid with Nebraska roots and then just all of this. It's just, you know, I, I've made the joke saying after this, I'm done. Like I, I can't go any better, but quite frankly, now I just want to see what I can do to top it. So I'm hoping that, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, it was, well, Hawk, oh, man, you, now that you've had a time to, to, uh, we can do a round yourself, table. Uh-huh. um, any other, other thoughts on, on, on how it went? Well, it was a lot. It was a lot of fun. It was fast, and, and was. you know, and Rob, I'm sorry. I hope I didn't rush you there at the end. I was trying no, to, no, 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 it, no. everything I, was about, I, I really good. felt like this was about you guys more than me, which was mm-hmm. kind of cool. So it was well, it was, it, I know, <laughs> but it was, but it was, it really was, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. It was an honor, Dave. I even, how often do I actually place a phone call to you, Dave? And I, <laughs> I wanted never. to make sure you were going to be blocked. here today. So I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, how often do you actually call me back? Is really that's right. <laughs> I, well, I was afraid, I was afraid I might go fall, go into like a Chris Farley, you know, like, do you remember the time when you <laughs> I, I want to bring up the Tom story? Yeah. Yeah. Space. We could have brought up the Tom story. But that was <laughs> yeah. I'll be for part two of the interview. That'll be next yeah. time we get. It would be. Uh, yeah. I don't know if we can mention the recruit. Is that like a we could probably? I don't know. I'll just say you were recruiting a 1995 graduate. Oh, oh, I meant I mentioned him on a previous show. Brand, oh, yeah. Brandon Drum was was in our class and everything. And Dave, you worked yeah, well, with him that, at Menards. We had connections sure with, with yeah. him. And uh, <laughs> well, I mean, Brandon was being you know he was going through the recruiting process yes. at that time, and so he was coming down for spring ball, Super and he six. was driving me when I was 
trying out to be a, a manager during spring practice of 95 oh, and that's, that's right. or going into yeah prior to the 95 season so that's where i'm on the field that's a hot and, ticket in those days man. oh my those goodness come on oh my goodness i was you know handing the handing hand the, the ball drop. to aaron graham who's snapping the ball yeah. to jesse coast kicking the ball to tommy yeah. frazier who was returning punts oh, at yeah. that time Improving oh, wow. didn't you like overthrow one of the players like so badly that they just basically said you can go home now no, Frazier threw a ball to me and it wasn't very good. And I caught it up here. <laughs> oh, okay. oh like, I, yeah. And I actually made the catch and Frazier looked at me. Tommy Frazier has then, one speed of pass. Fast. So. <laughs> well, Honk, you know, I, I thought our questions were, were good. I thought we had a nice balance there of some of the stuff about the 90s and, and um, you know, historical stuff. But he, his answer on the NIL and kind of the world mm. of college football today was really interesting. Yeah. And it, you, you can have, multiple takes on the same thing we're not on this show we, we're not fighting nil by all means if that's the rules of today do whatever within the rules we've said that all along and, and right now there's not a lot of rules as coach osborne kind of alluded to but so be good at whatever the current rules are but it doesn't necessarily mean we always think that's the right direction it doesn't mean you know that we think that there should be some there needs to be some guidance on this the direction of this it's a little scary right now because things are changing so fast so quickly and and uh just trying to keep up with it. Even just this week, I mean, we were seeing one of the yep. tweets about how all of a sudden they're changing some stuff up with NIL and what boosters can do. And Well, not only that, but what boosters have already done. So be yeah, careful right. of what you do when there's no rules, because when they make a rule, they can bust you for what you did when there was no rule. Like yeah. that's collectives are now boosters or boosters are collectives. It's, like, it's very confusing because I don't know actually like what any of that coming. actually means but yeah, mm-hmm. um, but yeah the, the future to, to, to coach Osborne's point i mean the future of college football is really up in the air right now and it could go several different ways so i mean obviously we're going to be watching it all the way through but i think it was just really interesting to get his take on on that Mm -hmm. um mac i loved your question about the uh the four basic plays that was was great i'm making sure to throw my brother under the bus on that one (laughs) i knew it was before ask ask the i know what's the other question he had a really good question well not i don't but it was a good question about have you ever been tempted to run the score up on somebody? And I really <laughs> would have been a good question to ask Tom. I don't think he'd have, I don't know. Like you said, like when you said the last five minutes, get you in trouble. I knew that question was out. Yeah. He, he wasn't going to take the bait, but it's like, yeah, come on, you can say new Heisel. I, I think the classic sure. example of new Heisel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what they true. No, I just think a classic example of that is like the Minnesota game, like in, in 83, where we won 84 to seven and we were on the road and it was our third and fourth string that was putting up all those points. Right. I mean, yeah. Whenever we did run up the score, it wasn't like because the starters were doing it. It was the backups. Yeah, yeah that's very well, true. And not only that, but the old thing is if you don't want us to run up the score, stop us. Well, yeah, when you're yeah, running for third string quarterback, but, but they could do like take a knee <laughs> on every single play. Like I, I've yeah. never understood that philosophy for anybody. And and I get it. Like I get the mercy rule, like in some youth, youth athletics or even in high school, I think they have it and like baseball and softball. But I mean, the fact of the matter is when you start getting into like elite programs like this, you know, and, and college football and professional football, again, if you don't want somebody running up the score on you, you stop them. That's, that's the yeah. only solution you have. Otherwise they're going to run their offense and stop it or take yeah. it. And one, one of the worst things to be against us back in those, those years, Dave, like the 83 game at Minnesota is a, a road game is brutal because we can only yeah. bring 70 guys or you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. right. So backups are pretty good. The, I, I think that game in particular, we scored 21 points in every single quarter. <laughs> it was just, it was, it was about as consistent as you that's get. That's very but, NCAA. Yeah, it was very, very NCAA. Well. But I mean, just in general, fellas, I I'm glad we had this little opportunity afterwards to kind of decompress because it was 
trying to pack yeah. a lot into a short period of time. We're and, still and, lying. Yeah, we're still. Oh yeah, we're still lying. Yeah, we're still lying. Yeah. It's a good I thing you haven't picked your nose yet, Mac. That's uh, that's, oh, that's uh, great. Yeah, but Dave, it's the new world of podcasting, Mac. Yeah. I'm curious, Dave. Well, I mean, what, what's your, I guess, your kind of look at that th- final <laughs> thoughts on it? I mean, everything today. No, I thought I thought it was great. You know, I mean, I thought I felt like he was, you know, really willing to answer any question that we threw out there, and I thought we gave him some really good questions. I think he enjoyed answering, which is cool, right? It didn't mm-hmm. feel like he, you know, had to him or her on anything. I mean, he he had a good answer for everything we threw at him, and I thought it was a lot of fun. And I, I think. I think hopefully he enjoyed it and hopefully our listeners did too, because uh, um, I, like we were saying before, you know, you four fans like us don't usually get this opportunity. And so I'm glad we took advantage of it. And it was a lot of fun. I made sure he he knew that too. I was like, look, you know, we're not your typical media guys that, that you talk to on a regular basis. Yeah, we are, we, we are fans, you know what I mean? Like, and I said, we are fans first and, I said, so you, you know, you have to understand that this isn't just like something that we do every day. So like, we honestly, like we, we are, we are so thankful for your time. Like that is really the, the, yeah, the and I also want to make sure we get the word out about the the documentary he mentioned, of uh, course. Josh and, and tough Tony Davis, um, Colorado boys out here who really headed that up. And so, Honky, you Josh said you're Davis. going, Josh Davis. Sorry, Josh. Josh. I yeah, apologize. Josh. I always think of Tony first. I That's all right. <laughs> um, because I like the, I Josh, like the nickname Tough Tony Davis. I just yeah, yeah, know. I know. Well, you um, know. But, Josh uh, just texted to, to make sure you knew it was him. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, Honky, you mentioned you're going to the 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 movie on Friday. Is that right? Yeah. So actually, I'm going to go with um, Ken and Scott from Generation Red Pod. Um, that'll be, that'll be a lot of fun. Meet up with them and, uh, my uncle's coming along with, and so the four of us are going on the Friday night, uh, show showing board. All be, right. That'll be fun. Margaritas beforehand. Kincaider. What's uh, I think, uh, uh, Jake's cigar bar for a nice. little bit and then maybe some B-dubs and keep then uh, head on over there. So yeah, we'll keep it classy. It'll be a lot of fun. It, it's just keeping it classy and B-dubs in the same mm-hmm. sentence. Okay? <laughs> 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 Only honky. Only honky. <laughs> I'm all class, man. Who else is wearing a tie today, huh? Wasn't that like the same suit that you wore to Dave's wedding? Probably affirmative. It's not going bad. You know what? Let's just, well, then let's just reflect on the fact that it still fits. You know, it fits again, Rob. It's been 10 years. My man's real time slimming over here, though. Look at that. I bet Honky looks great. Honky looks great. That keto is working out for everybody. Weight loss on Redcast. We could probably, I mean, I started in February. We started recording in February. If we would have started in December, I would have taken up both of our spots here. Anyways, ton of fun. And and we have it up there. Like and subscribe. You know, Redcasters, if you like this, we're really trying to build up that YouTube page. Do as much as you can to like, subscribe, comment. We like to respond to it. And uh, this is a great opportunity. And go back and, and watch over some of those those prior shows. Uh, you know, Rob mentioned the Damon Benning show on it. Uh, we just had Adam Carricker on a week ago. Uh, tomorrow night, Dave, I, I can't remember if you confirmed or not. I know at least Rob and I are going to go on to the Varsity Pod. I'm going to try. Try. Guaranteed. The Varsity Club podcast with uh, uh, Dr. PD, Derek Pearson. That's tomorrow night that we're going to be recording. I don't know if they live stream, but at least they do it through StreamYard. And then, uh, and then you know, that will be out there by the end of the week, too. So a lot going on. We still got, man, we've got more things. shows coming up and planning and everything. But this is just a, Rob, I want to give you another. Another kudos, man. Great job getting this put together, buddy. Big time, buddy. Big time. Been a crazy couple of weeks, man. I mean, 
If you had told uh, me two years ago, I'd be texting with Tom Osborne and, and, you know, former players to set this all up. I would have told you that you were batshit crazy. And I, I would have told you first, that too. I think that's the first time I've ever sworn on this show too. So <laughs> oh, good. You picked the Osborne one to, to swear. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Yeah. I have the, I have the worst that. Taylor's mouth of the entire crew. I'm guessing outside of Mac. And that's the first time <laughs> oh, I've ever sworn. And that's the first time I've ever sworn. Yeah. On, hey on Dave, I do have to tell you before Osborne got on, we were, we were on for about 10 minutes and, Rob and Mac are going back and forth, and the, the sailor mouth is going. And all I'm thinking is, is Osmer's just going to pop up all of a sudden on the screen? And it's going to be right in the middle of something, <laughs> or the audio will be <laughs> first, and you will hear that. He, he hangs yeah. up. I, I felt your tension. I was staring at just the second he popped up. I was just going to be like, "Hey, how you doing? <laughs> hey, Tom. Gosh darn, it's good to see you. <laughs> Howdy, swell. Golly, golly, gee, you're swell. <laughs> this is going to be well, a guys. Show. Uh, uh, really, really fun show. Is there anything else, Tom? You want to want to cover? Nah, I, I think uh, I think this. Was, I I, this I was think good. that I can go back to bed for the day now. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, um, that was a great show, guys. I had a lot of fun. Hopefully, our listeners enjoyed uh, hearing uh, from Co- Coach Osborne. And uh, for now, let's call that a Go Big Red Cast. Go Big Red. GBR. Huda Media Production.